0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And right now, the talk of the town in the NFL is the coaching cycle, the hirings and firings of all the different head coaches, coordinators, assistant coaches. That's what's really going on in the NFL and grabbing all the headlines. But come soon enough, free agency will be here, and that will grab all the headlines. And that's what... We're going to be really excited for, I can't wait to dive into all the different free agents that the New York Giants can target, but can they target that many? How much salary cap space do they even have in this upcoming offseason? Well, that's what we're going to go ahead and discuss in today's episode, just how cap-healthy the New York Giants are. If you take a look at this offseason, they're going to have to do some maneuvering, but towards the future... The outlook is rather positive, and that's what we're gonna break down for you in this episode. But before we do so, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, it's good to have you back. Missed you for the past couple of episodes. I'm wondering how are you
1: doing today, my friend, and how are you feeling about the New York Giants salary cap space entering this offseason? <laughs> I couldn't be doing better, man. Thanks for asking. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles first-round exits. Yes, the NFC East is kind of garbage, but I'll tell you what. You never hate to see the Eagles and Cowboys get – thrown out of the postseason in an ugly fashion, too. I mean, they both got dominated. Super fun, especially the Cowboys. I mean, getting washed by the Packers like that, I want to be the team. The Giants need to be the team that does that to the Cowboys, man. Oh, the the day that that happens, I hope I'm alive to see the Giants oust the Cowboys in the postseason by 40 points, (laughs) you know, with a 40 spot on them. That would be awesome. Um, But you know what? The Giants are trying to take steps forward, and we're going to do a pretty deep dive, comprehensive analysis of the salary cap situation right now, my friends, Um, If you're interested in this type of thing, we're going to break down their salary health, you know, what this looks like right now. And I can tell you right off the bat, guys. We're going to discuss the Daniel Jones contract. It plays a really big part in the equation of how healthy the Giants' salary space will be in the future. But one thing is for certain. The salary space is a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean ages, realms, universes different than it was under Dave Gettleman's tenure. He locked in so many bad deals. He didn't give us any outs in those contracts. He gave five-year deals out with no outs. I mean, the guy was out of his freaking mind. At least Joe Shane has the freaking foresight to think – you know what, this deal may not pan out for us. We may want to get out of this contract at some point. And that's why he built the out into Daniel Jones' deal. And that's why he's built the out into a couple other ones. You know, a lot of incentive-based one-year contracts, a lot of free agents. I mean, for goodness sake, we're going to save a good chunk of change letting Paris Campbell walk. They have an out after this this offseason, actually, for Darren Waller. We're going to talk about his salary implications, Um, how much cap speed the, the Giants do have now. I do want to make one thing, um, you know, just bring up one thing, is that the Giants... Cap space is different on a couple different websites. So SpotRack has them at like 37 mil, and that's their estimated salary space. And Over the Cap has them at 20, um, 22.7 mil, and that's kind of what they have just based on like an addition subtra- uh, subtraction uh, strategy rather than an estimated they may be thinking about. Players that could take the out in, guys that aren't under contract right now unless they pick up certain things. Like there are um, <clears throat> a little bit differences, some some minor differences in, in how they're actually tallying that number. So we're going to use the over the cap one for this episode because it's just minus, you know, subtraction. Edition, it's very basic and it just shows what they are. It's not estimated, it's just how much money they have at this very moment. We're gonna talk about how they can open up more money, um, how they could screw themselves even further, and how they can kind of save themselves a little bit of uh, a little bit of trouble down the road. So, Anthony, before we dive into it, you know, l- l- what are, what is your thought on this situation at hand? We'll start off with the guys that the Giants can get out of um this offseason and save a little bit of money. Darren Waller, if the Giants do get out of his contract and don't pick up the three-year $51 million deal. They're going to save $7 million in cap space, almost 7.1 mil. If they do keep him, they have to pay him $14.46 million with an escalating number that goes all the way up to like $17.5 million when he's like 34, 35 years old. Um, So it's a big what if. We know that Joe Shane would run back the the trade if he could do it again. He already said it publicly. But do you pick up that extension, right? Because Darren Waller, while he is great, he opens up your offense. He does a lot for you. He's also very injury prone, and you don't know if you're going to get him. Seventeen million dollars for a player that's injury prone at the tight end position, and it's going to be thirty-three next year. I'm a little concerned about it. Um, I can't sit here and tell you. I'm, I'm. It's not a cautionary tale. I think we should take the out in the contract. I think we should take that money and reallocate it elsewhere. Um, you know, if we're going to restart and go draft a quarterback, if that's what we do, um, kind of. You know, the strategy we we do implement. I feel as though we could use that money better. Maybe you want to have a guy like Darren Waller in this offense giving that, you know, young quarterback an opportunity to spread the ball around and have an elite playmaker like this. But when does Darren Waller start to see a downfall because of his age? And, you know, when do you start to see him not look the same? And are these injuries going to become even more prevalent because of that age? And, of course, you have Mark Lewinsky, who the Giants can save $5.7 million by releasing They'll crew about $1.5 million in dead money by cutting him. But you save five point seven. That's an easy one right there. But I'll let you get started on the Darren Waller front.
0: Yeah, my take on the Darren Waller front, it's kind of mixed. I'm not really sure how to feel because— on one hand, yes, I'm enticed by the idea of opening up that six or so, six or seven million dollars. You know, that's huge. That could go ahead and sign the Giants a starting offensive guard. Like we were talking about in yesterday's episode, I did solo. I mentioned Greg Van Roten and Jermaine Illuminor, two offensive linemen from the Raiders that the Giants might want to reunite with Carmen Bristolow. Those two guys combined are probably $7 million. You could probably cut Darren Waller, trade him in, uh, basically, trade his salary in, and allocate it towards those two offensive linemen. You have two, ne- two new starting offensive linemen in your starting five, filling two major holes for the New York Giants. Meanwhile, though, and this is the other side of it that I kind of can't get behind, you're now opening another hole in your offense that you have to fill up. And yeah, I like Daniel Bellinger a lot and I think Daniel Bellinger is a good tight end, but he's still young, he's still developing and he's not the dynamic playmaking threat that Darren Waller can be when he's healthy. And just, I think that if the Giants can get through this offseason without touching Darren Waller's contract, that's ideal. If they can't, they have to move it around in order to make space for guys like Saquon Barkley, like Xavier McKinney, then they gotta do what they gotta do. But I am a little bit, apprehensive to the idea of cutting him just because there's so many holes on this team right now. There's so many holes on this offense like the Giants. They still need a WR1. They still need to consider what they're going to do at running back either behind Saquon Barkley or if Saquon Barkley leaves. They still need to find a couple other starters on the offensive line and a couple other depth pieces. I don't need to add tight end to that list of things that the Giants need to target. So that's where I am apprehensive to the idea of cutting him just because I'm not in favor of opening up another hole on this offense. Like, the Giants only have so many good players, like quality bona fide starting talents on this team right now. Darren Waller does happen to be one of them, and I understand the argument that he happens to be one of them for half of the season, but even still, he does happen to be one of those quality starting level talents. It is kind of hard to just say, we don't need that, move on, figure it out. I think that that's a tough sell for me, and I think that the New York Giants are probably going to be eager to retain Darren Waller. I don't think they're going to be eager to cut him and open up that money. I know that money can do a lot, and again, if you really think that you can go ahead and sign two starting offensive linemen for the price of Darren Waller, you have to consider doing it, but again, just opening up that salary cap space while also opening another major hole in your offense is scary to me. The Giants don't have that many dependable options. Not saying that Darren Waller really is one because he's not very healthy. But even still, you got you got to have some talent on this offense. The Giants can't just keep getting rid of everybody. You know, you finally get somebody on your roster who's good. Even the Xavier McKinney argument that I was making the other day, Alex, they finally have a safety that they developed in-house who's a really good player. You can't let that guy leave the building. And I feel similarly, not the exact same about Darren Waller, but similarly where you have a good player on your team. I don't really want to just let him go for money and salary cap reasons. So that's kind of my take on Darren Waller. I could go either way, though. If the Giants do end up cutting him, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to say, okay, I understand it. I see why we're doing that. Now let's hopefully allocate that money responsibly and get some starters on the offensive line or build this roster out more thoroughly. But if they keep him, I'm also not going to be upset. I'm not going to say, why aren't the Giants cutting Darren Waller? We need that money. We need that cap space. At the end of the day, there's probably a way where they can keep him under the salary cap while also making space for other players to sign. So I'm not going to be too uh, too overreactionary either way. I'm going to be kind of indifferent regardless of whatever decision the New York Giants make. So Alex, I know that might kind of contradict your point. You maybe don't necessarily agree with that. But kind of how are you feeling about my my idea here that the Giants have enough holes on this roster, it kind of hurts them pretty badly to open up another one.
1: I understand that concept. And I would counter saying, you know, if he only plays 50% of the games, you have a 50% of the time you have a hole there anyway. So it's like, you know, can we expect him to be healthy for the playoffs? Do you have to do you have to rest him earlier in the year so that you can make sure he's healthy? Like, do you have to manage him. Um, and look, football is a game of injuries. And Joe Shane said it, right? Like, you can never project it, guys are gonna get hurt. But when you have a guy that Is going to get hurt, and you know it. You're just waiting for it to happen. That really is problematic to me. And his hamstring is now um, very prone to injury. Like we know that it's just a waiting. It's just a wait and see game. Like you're waiting for that thing to get hurt, and it's going to get hurt. And you know how long do we have until you just can't uh, do it anymore? And look, if you if you extend him for three more years, eventually, like, he's going to be useless. And I think, look, you could probably get out of that deal late in the, late in it, um, and you wouldn't give up that much money. you probably have to take on a little bit of dead money, but it wouldn't be significant. Um, maybe you do that, but the Giants can get out of that deal clean cut, save $7 million, and for what it's worth, guys, we got Bobby Okereke for $10 million a year. You know, you take $7 million, you allocate it toward a nice veteran CB2 alongside Deontay Banks, I think the impact there is pretty significant personally. Like I think you can replicate that impact somewhere else by using that money. Maybe you need a little bit more money to sign another CB. Maybe you go out and find a nice – like for example, how about this? You take that Darren Waller money, $7 million, and you go find another pass-catching tight end – with upside that's routinely healthy. Like, maybe you go after a Hunter Henry. Maybe you go after a Mike Isecki. You know, they're not gonna be Darren Waller, but they're younger, healthier. Um, Maybe some of them aren't healthier. I'm just assuming that, you know, they have a better health history. Um, And you might be able to get more value because they're available. Like, that would be my counter to that. You can still use that money to solve it. Um, Or, you know, alternatively, you could save that money and then allocate it to a WR1 next year, giving one hits the open market. Now you have all this money. You're not locked into a $16 million uh, tight end who's oft injured. I feel like it's, preferable for the Giants to avoid locking themselves into another bad contract we've seen them do it many times already this one you can't get out of this is the out the out is right now you can't get out of it so cleanly if you stick around uh, to find out whether or not he's going to be healthy or not so personally I'm out on Darren Waller um I I don't look the Giants get hurt they do every year they face all these uh, the all these at all this adversity I don't think Darren Waller is going to luck into being healthy for three years. He's going to get injured again. Um, you're just about waiting for it to happen. So that's kind of my take on that. The Mark Lewinsky front, like, you're cutting him no questions asked. Like, you know, you talked about a couple of guys yesterday, Greg Van Roten, and obviously Jermaine Illuminor, and I love Jermaine Illuminor. I think that you could take that $5.7 million, and you might even be able to get Jermaine Illuminor on a cheaper contract per season than five point seven mil. You could probably get him at five mil, maybe three years, $15 million, and guys – Jermaine Illuminor coming off two really good seasons with the Raiders under the leadership of Carmen Bracillo. Um, you know, Bracillo, th- this is a guy that could be a starting right tackle for us for the next few years. He's better than Evan Neal. Like, he's he's actually one of the better pass-protecting tackles right now in the league um, from a grades perspective from, you know, he gave up what? I think it was six sacks and 28 pressures last season over, like, 940 snaps. Like, he was a good player. Evan Neal, by the way, about four hundred snaps gave up thirty pressures. So in half in less than half the amount of snaps, he gave up more pressures than Jermaine Illuminor. I think I'm alright, I'm right in locks up with you. Move Neil inside, or at the very least, let him compete with Illuminor for the starting job. Probably gonna lose it and then kick him inside. Um, you can take that seven million dollars from Waller, or rather, you know, the five point seven million dollars from Glowinski, either or and allocate that towards the offensive line, where in my opinion you know you're going to get a lot more value from bolstering the offensive line than having a bad offensive line again and you know having having a guy like Waller who's oft injured so you're not going to be able to maximize him anyway My focus right now is getting the most value possible out of Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, and Wandale Robinson. Those three guys could be special together, but we need the protection. And I think the Giants, and you've mentioned tons of really great receivers in the second round. You just wrote something like Xavier Worthy. You know, there's so many good options. Brian Thomas, you know, if he slips into the second round, maybe the Giants move up and try to get him out of LSU. Dude's a freaking tank, um, you know, being overshadowed a lot by Malik Neighbors, but Thomas is really solid himself. There's a lot of really great pass catchers. The Giants could find a WR1 or at least a high-end WR2 in the second round of this draft. And I I stand by that. I think the talent's there for them to go get someone really, 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 really freaking talented. Um, But with that being said, you know, the Giants have a little bit more money in this instance. Now let's take a look at what happens with Daniel Jones' contract. So we've broken this down a lot in the past, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because you guys probably know Daniel Jones has an out in his contract after 2024, they have to pay him $47 million in cap hit. Um, he has a $35.5 million base salary, but he has a forty-seven point one mil cap hit for 2024. If they cut him, they will save a lot of freaking money, $19.4 million in 2025 they will have in addition. What can you do with that? Well, I'll throw out a couple names out there that I would like over Daniel Jones. Bryce Huff, Daniel Hunter, um, Josh Allen, not the quarterback, the pass rusher, <laughs> um, Brian Burns, like... You could go, and if you find a quarterback, you draft a quarterback. I mean, look what Baker Mayfield just did. He's had this season, basically sat on the bench last year for Panthers, had a better year than Daniel Jones has ever had in his career, and people thought he was done, man. People thought he was gassed. He was washed. So, you know, of course – I'll say this about Baker Mayfield, has a tremendous supporting cast, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, Rashad White, really good team there. So, you know, a little bit different than what Daniel Jones' situation was for sure. Um, but again, like you're seeing what Baker Mayfield can do and the money they have to spend on those really great talents. So, you know, Daniel Jones, the 19.4 million dollars in dead cap hit, uh rather in salary savings you get by cutting him after 2024, that money is gonna really allow you to spend elsewhere that's a that's a big time pass rusher you know that's a couple of players that's a lot of a lot of talent you can use but you can do something even take a step even further that 22.2 million dollars in dead money that you um, have to account for if you do cut him, you can spread that out over two years. So you could spread that into the 2025 season and 26 season because that's what his contract would have been anyway. Um, so technically speaking, that 19.4 million, you can boost that another 11 million dollars if they spread that cap hit over the final two years of his contract. Um, so you know, you tell me, do you want 30 million dollars to spend on a pass rusher or bring back Xavier McKinney or another cornerback or? Or another, I don't know, offensive lineman? Or would you rather keep Daniel Jones at $50 million? I don't know, man. Like, people keep saying they, I, like, people are in my DM saying, like, let's build around Daniel Jones. I'm like, dude, the best way to build around this, to build around a quarterback here is to get rid of Daniel Jones. You save 30, potentially as much as $30 million in 2025 to reinforce your team around another quarterback. $35 million. Do you, you guys know how much you could get? That's Bobby O'Karake and Dexter Lawrence. Would you rather have Daniel Jones right now or Bobby O'Carica or Dexter Lawrence? I think most of you guys are going to say the obvious here, right? Or Andrew Thomas and and, uh, Bobby O'Carica. You can go either or. That's what that money means. So, you know, in my opinion, it's in the best interest of the Giants to move on from that contract. I think it's the best interest um, of the quarterback position. But, of course, we don't know what they're going to do there. And that's the big question mark. So, Anthony, when you're looking at this, you know, situation with Daniel Jones' contract, as much as I wanted Daniel Jones to pan out, as much as we wanted him to be the guy – That out is built into the contract for a reason. And the truth is simple. The Giants' salary health is significantly better. And it's objectively true if they move on from Daniel Jones. And I think even the people that do support Daniel Jones can agree that they will save a lot of money and they can use that money a little bit more strategically um, without him on this team.
0: Yeah, 100%. And what I'll say about Daniel Jones' contract, this is not something that the Giants want to restructure because they don't want to move money down the line. If they do that, then they're trapped into the contract for longer than they want to be. Listen... Daniel Jones was signed to a four-year contract, but it was not really a four-year contract. I said this on Twitter the other day. Beat reporter Patricia Trena, Sports Illustrated, uh, responded to me and agreed with me. This was really a two-year contract that the Giants signed with Daniel Jones with a team option for an additional two years. That's essentially what it was. They front-loaded all of the guaranteed money to the beginning of the contract across those first two years, meaning that after two years, they can cut him, move on from the contract, no big deal. So again, it was essentially a two-year deal with an option team option for an additional two years you know you oftentimes you take a look at the NBA and you watch the way they structure those contracts they'll have team options or player options as an additional year on the contract that's essentially what the Giants did with this Daniel Jones deal they made him sign a two-year deal with a two-year team option that's how you can look at it and that can help you kind of frame your perspective on what the New York Giants are planning for their next four years because they built it so that over the next four years if Daniel Jones panned out they could continue to build around him Or they built it that if Daniel Jones doesn't pan out, it only takes them two years to move on from him and they can move on from him and restart that quarterback position. And now after this past season, it seems like that's the avenue that we're headed down. So what we saw with Joe Shane this past off season was a lot of front loaded contracts in order to open up more money down in 2025, 26, 27, 28, 29. That's what he was trying to accomplish with putting that guaranteed money in the beginning of Daniel Jones's contract, the beginning of Bobby Okereke, Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas's contracts. All of those were front loaded. The Giants were like, screw our current cap space. Let's make sure that our Future cap space is available to us and healthy. So the Giants are in a healthy position because Joe Shane did that, which again is why I do praise Joe Shane and I still believe in him and think that he is a good general manager because of the way that he set up these flexible contracts. But if you guys remember all throughout the offseason, I kept saying that was the word to describe the Giants offseason flexible. And one of the reasons why is because. Even those contracts that he signed, like the Daniel Jones one, which I know it's put the Giants in a pretty bad little situation here, but those other ones too, they're all very flexible. So now you can go into this offseason, and Alex, we were talking about this earlier, Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence Those are two guys that you don't need to get out of that contract any soon. You know that those guys are gonna be around for a long time. You sign them to those deals, you still feel good about it and you feel confident in their futures. So if the Giants are going to restructure any contract, it's not going to be Daniel Jones. Of course, they could restructure him. They could save $23 million by doing so, but then they have more guaranteed money to give him next season. So they can't cut him next season if they do that. So they're not going to do that because they're gonna wanna move on from that contract ASAP. But what they could do, Restructure Dexter Lawrence's contract. You know Dexter Lawrence is still going to be here next year. You know that you're continuing to build around him. If you restructure that deal, you're you're saving $11.5 million in salary cap space this offseason. And for Andrew Thomas as well, if you want to restructure that deal, you get $15 million to spend this offseason. So if the Giants are going to restructure anybody on this roster... It's not going to be Darren Waller, as we just mentioned earlier. That's probably a cut candidate. It's not going to be Daniel Jones, because if they do, they're just strapping themselves to him, and they don't feel confident in him for their future, so they're not going to go ahead and do that. But Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, they do still feel confident in those players, Those are the players that are likely to be restructured. Restructuring those two contracts, that gives the Giants an additional $26 million to spend this offseason. That right there is both Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney, and they can backload those two contracts as well if they do sign those guys. So then you're probably talking Saquon Barkley, Xavier McKinney, plus an offensive lineman, plus maybe even a, a wide receiver too with that money that you get from restructuring Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence. So I know a lot of Giants fans have taken a look at their salary cap space and said, you know what, the Giants, they only have $25 million. That's not a whole lot. They have less than $25 million. They don't They can't really do much this offseason. They really can. They have some flexible contracts, which was the point that I made all last offseason, why I was so impressed with Joe Shane. I saw this vision where he was locking in these players long-term but he was not locking them in in a way where he's going to handcuff himself to them. He's able to move this money around, restructure certain contracts, and again, if you don't think that the Giants are going to leave Daniel Jones's contract just as it is, Take a look at what they did with uh, Leonard Williams last offseason. They didn't touch that deal. They said, if we move this contract around, if we extend him, if we restructure this deal in any way, we're stuck with him. We're going to be trapped in that contract for longer than we want to be. So they let him sit there with that $32 million cap hit all, all season long until, of course, they traded him, but they let him sit there with that cap hit because they knew if they touched that contract at all, it meant more trouble in 2025, 26, 27, so, of course, Joe Shane did the smart thing there, didn't touch the Leonard Williams contract, and so again, that's precedence. I I do not envision him touching that Daniel Jones contract. I think that was the lesson that Giants fans should have learned. He is willing to sit with a very high, maybe even a very overpaid, overpriced cap hit because he knows... If you sacrifice a little bit of money now, you're going to have more money then. The Giants have $24 million or whatever right now, and they have a room to get that up to about $60 million if they want to. That's because they didn't touch the Leonard Williams contract. Had they extended him, touched that contract last offseason, we wouldn't have this much cap space, and we wouldn't be able to go out there and talk about signing some of these top receivers, offensive tackles, and uh, pass rushers in free agency this offseason. It's because the Giants did not extend Leonard Williams that they can do that. So again... I do tip my hat to Joe Shane. I think he did a great job managing the money last offseason. And that's why, when you look at this upcoming offseason, Daniel Jones' contract, yes, it's here to stay for the time being, but they're, I really don't believe that they're going to touch that thing at all this offseason at any restructuring. They're going to keep it the way that it is. That way, they'll have more money to spend in the future once they do inevitably in the next two seasons, cut Daniel Jones. And I know I say inevitably, it's it's possible, guys. I'm not going to rule it out. Daniel Jones could come back this year. He could win the starting job again. He could have a great season. It's totally possible. But if you're playing the odds, the probabilities here, and if you're taking a look at how the contracts are structured, The Giants are preparing to move on from Daniel Jones after next season. They're preparing to get out of that contract in the 2025 offseason, whether he performs well or not this upcoming season. So that's kind of my whole spiel on the Daniel Jones contract, on the Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence restructurings. Alex, that's what I want to ask you about, you know, when you're looking at those two deals. Andrew Thomas was injured this year, but he's still great. And, you know, you still feel confident in him long-term. I imagine you're comfortable restructuring that deal and the Dexter Lawrence one as well. Where I'm sure we're all comfortable with Dexter Lawrence being here long-term. We don't need to rush and get out of that contract anytime soon. So how do you feel about the Giants potentially restructuring those two guys to free up around $26 million in salary cap space this offseason? <laughs>
1: Well, I think, like you said, Dexter Lawrence, I'm easily restructuring that if I need the money. Now, the only thing I will say about restructuring contracts is you, you really want to save that for a rainy day, right? You want to be like, okay, you know, we're really close to being a competitor. Um, we need this money now. We're going to open up $20 million and bring in a Khalil Mack. Like that's that's kind of the way you want to use these restructures. Unfortunately, the Giants have been pigeonholed year after year to restructure big contracts because they're trying to get out of the basement. You know what I mean? We're just trying to sign players to get out of the freaking doghouse. Like It's not like, oh, we're one guy away. We're two pieces away from being contenders. Every year it's like we're freaking trying to get out of the doghouse and we got to restructure all of our big deals for it. Like, you want to do it strategically. The fact that Giants have to do this now just to get out of the bottom of the league, it really pisses me off, to be quite honest with you. But, yes, I'm okay uh, restructuring Dexter Lawrence because we know he's here long term. I think it's also important to note why Andrew Thomas got injured in the first place. Andrew Thomas picked up by a hamstring injury because he was chasing down a missed punt or a missed uh, field goal, a blocked field goal attempt. Um, That's a special teams problem, you know improper blocking. You know what I mean? So, the Giants are trying to get a better off a better special teams coordinator hopefully can eliminate some of those issues. That first week one game against Dallas, I mean, we saw the flaws of this team on on the field. It was evident and they did it at home. So, you know, watching Andrew Thomas that injury, that was a freak accident. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, Andrew Thomas got injured because uh, he got stepped on or something happened during an actual rep. He got injured trying to chase down somebody. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if I'm I'm Brian Dable, I'm like, yo, if you see a defensive back carrying that thing 20 miles an hour upfield, don't chase him. You are not going to catch him, and you're just going to get hurt. So, like, I respect the fact that Andrew Thomas tried to make an effort play But he's not catching a freaking DB running down the freaking sideline. It's not happening. So I'd be like, save yourself the trouble. Don't chase this dude. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to hurt yourself. And then we're going to throw our season away because our left tackle's injured now. Um, So, you know, in the future, hopefully they can correct that. But that's kind of a minor detail. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but again, like I'm okay, I'm okay restructuring Andrew Thomas's deal too. And, and for what it's worth, Anthony, I don't think that we should we should restructure both. I think you restructure one of them. Um, and if you're going to restructure any of them, it's going to be Dexter Lawrence. You save the Andrew Thomas one for a rainy day. You save that one for the future. If you need that money, if you do end up holding on to Daniel Jones and you need ten million dollars to add another piece around him, you save that Andrew Thomas restructure for later. You don't do it now. You you save it for an emergency. Um, because otherwise you're kind of screwed. You don't want to restructure Daniel Jones' contract. We don't really have any other big deals. I mean, you could restructure Bobby O'Carrike's deal, but, like, why? It's not going to open up that much money. So I feel like you save one of them. And if you're going to save one of them, you're going to save the guy that's the most likely to be a liability, which I think is Andrew Chalmers compared to Dexter Lawrence at this very moment. But I still think both are elite-level players, obviously. Um, That's my take on the restructuring front. Uh, But the Giants, guys, like, listen – This team in 2025 has a projected 95.3 million dollar salary space. You can you can increase that to about 120 million dollars, a little bit more than that, by cutting Daniel Jones. Um, On top of that, you have and that's this is also factoring in like Darren Waller not being here. They have him already built in. That's another 10.5 million dollars you'd save by cutting him. The Giants, if they cut Daniel Jones, don't have Darren Waller on the roster, and let's say you have your draft class. They're going to have $130, $40 million to spend around a rookie quarterback in a rookie window. I mean, you'd have to be insane not to want that. You know what I mean? You'd have to be crazy as a general manager not to notice the opportunity of getting a quarterback on a rookie deal. And look, that doesn't mean the Giants are trading up. They could draft J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix in the second round, develop them for a year, and then and then have them take over. That's a, that's a very possible scenario. Is it my preference? No, but it's possible. You know, they have a lot of different avenues they could go right now but in the best in the best uh case scenario the Giants have a rookie quarterback window 140 million dollars to spend around him and a couple of key linchpin pieces already structured into your team you already have O'Karake, who's on three more years maybe you bring back McKinney you know i think if you bring back McKinney it's with the intention of getting out of that deal of Jones's deal after 2024 cuz you can't make any big signings without getting out of that deal to be quite honest with you so if the if the Giants make a couple of big acquisitions and they push that salary hit to 2025, the writing will be on the wall. I think we'll be able to tell pretty easily they're going to be moving on from that contract. Um, we'll see, though. You know th- That'll be a telling kind of situation for, for us if we see them make a couple of big signings and then put that cap hit in 2025. We'll know what their plan is. It'll be pretty evident. I mean, we'll know if they draft a quarterback what their plan is anyway. So it's like, you know, that's kind of where, where I sit right now. Well, there's a lot of information that's going to come out that's going to give us a lot of insight into what their strategy is going to be. They need a CB2, they need a pass rusher, they need to now fill free safety. We don't know about Saquon Barkley. They need offensive line support. This team has too many needs to pay Daniel Jones forty-six million dollars in the future and fifty million dollars in two thousand twenty-six. You know what I mean? It's it's too much for how many holes we have on this team. You need to reset that window with the rookie quarterback and look. I'm not going to sit here and tell you any rookie quarterback is going to be great. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you that they're going to be an impact player that wins this Super Bowl. But I will say is that you want to bet on that upside, you know, because Daniel Jones, is that upside, we don't see it very often. Maybe a game here, a game there. Now he's one neck injury from his career ending. You know, he's coming off an ACL tear. I don't see it. Like, I personally don't see it. I don't think you see it either, Anthony. Most people are are kind of heading in this trend and direction as well. But it depends. It really just comes down to how they address that quarterback position. Uh, but you know, after breaking down all of the salary situation, all of the cap space, I hope you guys had a have a better understanding of where the Giants lie right now. But the truth is simple: you can't restructure Daniel Jones' contract, and they stand to gain a substantial amount of cap flexibility by cutting him next year. And it's objectively true; it's on the paper, it's in the numbers. We just read it off to you guys, so I don't know how you could argue against it. Um, but if you want to try, I'm more than happy to have a good conversation down um, in the YouTube comments. always respect your opinions. You know, I'm not trying to argue and be hostile with anybody. I'm just giving my opinion on, on the matter. But I always respect yours as well. As we are, we all we want is the same thing: and the Giants to win Super Bowls and be a great team. I think we're all in the same boat there
0: we're definitely on the same boat there one last tidbit that i will throw out for the new york giants salary cap space keep in mind everybody that they can't spend all of that money first of all nfl teams like to leave themselves probably around five million dollars for insurances to go into the season with so you're talking about signings like a justin pew mid-season the new york giants made that signing uh midway through the year couldn't do that if they went ahead and you know Spent all of their salary cap space uh, before the season ever began. So keep that in mind. Also keep in mind, free agency is in March. The NFL draft is in April. April, you have to set a, set aside around 10 to $15 million in salary cap space for your draft class, depending on how big it is. So the Giants have two second round picks, meaning they're going to have one of the most expensive draft classes in the NFL this season. So if usually they save around 8 to $10 million for salary cap space for the draft, This year, they're going to have to save around 10 to 12 because of that extra second round pick. And also, I do believe that they have a few additional mid-round or late-round picks um, later on in the draft outside of the first and second round. And again, that can change, too, if the Giants are to trade up for a quarterback, maybe, say, trade to the number one overall pick, and they only have one first-round pick and zero second-round picks. Then they don't have to save as much money, but they have to allocate that money towards the number one overall pick, which is the highest paid player in every draft class. So just keep in mind that the Giants, yes, we talked about it, they can balloon their salary cap space up to around 50 to 60 million comfortably. They could go up to 80 if they touch the Daniel Jones contract. They shouldn't do that, but comfortably can have around 60 million, 40 to 60 million dollars, I would say, in that range. It's a pretty big range, but comfortably 40 to 60 million entering this upcoming offseason is what the New York Giants are likely to have. Take about 10 to 15 of that. They're not gonna touch that ten to fifteen, but the rest of it, maybe say that thirty-five million is what the giants are going to have to spend in free agency, which is a good amount of money, guys. That's a lot. You can really do some damage with 35 million. That can sign you both Saquon, both Xavier and And another player in free agency as an impact player plus a ton of depth pieces. Because again, they're gonna backload those contracts. If they do sign Xavier McKinney, they're not gonna front load that one. They've front loaded enough contracts recently. They're gonna backload that one, I would assume. Probably a three or four year deal. Yeah, he's gonna make around 16 million, but probably his cap hit this upcoming season will be 10 million or less. And then they go ahead and do the same thing with Saquon, 10 million or less cap hit there. So again, still have another 15 million. You can get a WR1, 10 million or so there. You guys are you guys see where I'm going with this. The Giants can structure these contracts and really make a lot of room uh, to spend in the offseason. And again... They do have to keep that 10 to 15 million on the side for the draft and for insurances going into the season, but they still have a lot of money available to them to spend in the upcoming free agency period. And that's going to be really exciting, Alex. Like I can't wait to start diving into some of these potential players that they could sign. Of course, I did that episode yesterday talking about some of the Raiders free agent offensive linemen the Giants could target. We'll talk about other guys, especially after the Giants hire their defensive coordinator. Say they hire somebody from the Ravens tree. We'll look at some Ravens free agents. The Titans tree. We'll look at some Titans free agents. We'll take a look at all of these potential signings that we have identified for the New York Giants in the upcoming offseason. I can't wait to do so. So make sure you stay tuned to Fireside Giants and make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. And comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you listen listening to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one. And let's go, Giants. I'm